Well, turn to Romans chapter 11. Amen? You're as excited as I was when I first read Romans 11. Amen? <laughs> Romans chapter 11. You know, uh, uh, we've been on a series for a while. We started in, in the spring of last year. I thought, well, I'd get done with Romans probably and, and uh, by the end of summer, but started going through it. I just didn't feel like I needed to rush in it. still don't feel like I need to rush in it, but we are going to be in Romans for the next few weeks. Whether we finish it or not, I'm not sure yet. And um, But uh, I really believe God has some great things in Romans. But let me give you a little quick review. Remember, Romans chapter 1 through chapter 8 was all about the gospel of grace. And that what that means is, is that you had nothing to do to get saved except to receive. Uh, he did everything. God did everything through His Son, Jesus. And, uh, and it's, if you think it, I can be a good enough Christian, you can't be. Um, it's only through the power of God. And when we submit to that, then we, we can see the Holy Spirit move in our lives. I mean, you try hard and hard to be good enough, and it just, it just fails. It's not, it's, you're, you can't do that. You need the power of God to be good enough, right? You need the power of God to be saved, but you also need the power of God, the, the grace of God, the enabling of God to actually make it through this life, to actually to be like Christ. You can't do it of yourself. And the sooner you know that and get rid of your pride, amen, the better you're going to be, the better I'm going to be when I begin to realize I need Jesus in every part of my life. I need the Holy Spirit in every part of our life. So Romans chapter 1 through 8, that's what Paul was, ex- was expressing through there, is that it takes grace in our daily walk and that we can't do it in ourselves. You know, you, um, just be honest with you, you just can't be a good enough person to be saved. And if you're here today and think that well, I'm a good person, and I'm gonna, uh, God's pleased with me. God's only going to be pleased with you when you, you die to yourself. And that means you give God your life, and you receive all that Jesus did and realize that I can't do it of myself. I remember a number of years ago, talking. To, and I, I used to go door to door when I was a teenager and knock on doors and witness to people. And so um, th- most people would um, tell me to get off their yard. Anyway, but... Um, and uh, um, I had, a, I had a, uh, one of my friends, she was uh, just a fiery girl and, and, uh, and for Jesus. And so we were knocking on the doors and, and no one was answering, but we heard a TV in there and we kept on knocking. And she just, I said, well, let's just go. They just don't want to answer. No, 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 we're going we're gonna to keep on knocking. So she starts banging on the door and, uh, and then and she hears something in there and she says, I hear you in there. Open the door. The guy never come, came out. I mean, she kept on knocking. I said, come on, let's go. This is his house. We don't want to do anything. She said, okay. Okay, then go to hell. <laughs> okay, that's not the right way to maybe do it all. But, um, but one, the, one, the, the, the people that would let me in a lot of times was old, older people, older ladies, especially um, they would let us in. And we were talking to this one lady, and she says, well, I've been a good person. I've been... I, I haven't done this, I haven't done this, I haven't done this. And I said, um, have you accepted Jesus? And she says, well, no, I, I'm, I'm a good person. And I, I'm, I'm going to be okay. And I, and I had to show her through the Word where it's only through Jesus. That's the only way a man can be saved. And she accepted Jesus Christ right there from a 16-year-old kid just witnessing to her in her living room. And I, see, the thing about it is, we have to understand that, but that doesn't stop just at your salvation. 
you, ha- you need the power of God in everything you do. You can't do this life without Jesus. Amen? And so the Romans 1 through 8, that's what Paul was talking about. Then it gets into 9, 10, and 11. And I told you a lot of that 9, 10, and 11, a lot, of, a lot of people just want to skip over those and go to chapter 12, which we'll be on next Sunday, which is easy. I mean, it, it has a lot to do with what we're going through. It has a lot of stuff. But 9, 10, 11 really is dealing with, with Paul and his sorrow for his Jewish people rejecting Jesus. In fact, chapter 9, verse 1, it says this, With Christ as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. My heart is filled. This is Paul saying this about his people. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. I would be willing to be cursed, forever cursed and cut off from Christ if that would save them. I mean, that's his heart is going out for his own people because they, the majority of them, not all of them, but the majority of them are rejecting Jesus as their Savior. And so, and, and, and he goes on and he, and he talks about throughout 9, 10, and as we talk, talk a little bit about 11 today, that, you know, you know there, there's a time that, you know, is there a judgment against his people? And uh, was God somehow unjust in his dealing with them? And Paul begins to talk about, no, no, of course not. You know, the Jews are responsible for their own rejections of God's mercy. And they are without excuse. In fact, in Romans chapter 10, he makes a point that anyone who's lost, whether Jew or Gentile, it is because of their own stubbornness of their, and hardness of their heart, you can't blame God. And so now here in chapter 11, this is where we at. 9 and 10 still, still deals with his sorrow about, about the Jewish people. And then he goes on in chapter 11. Now chapter 11 deals with the subject of, of strongly with Israel. It talks about their, his hopes and the promises of God to Israel and the relationship with the church. And, um, but um, a lot of times when you read over chapter 11, you think, what does this have to do with me? I mean, what, does, um, the, what is relevant in my life about the Jews here? What does the future of Israel have to do with finding, you know, having a good marriage? What is, what is the, the relationship that Israel has with God right now have to do with me finding a good job or paying my bills or, or what's going on with my life or raising my kids, trying to make, make sure that they're going to be loving Jesus in a hell-bent world. What, is, what does chapter 11 have to do with all of that? Maybe, maybe we should check out and not do chapter 11 and go straight on to chapter 12 where, where there's maybe some practical stuff we can get into. But there, there are some practical things here, and I, want, and I think a lot of times we read over these chapters and we miss what really God is even trying to say to us today. And the, and the first one, really, what God is dealing, what Paul is dealing with here, does God's promises fail? Can God's promises fail us? Because God chose a nation of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 7. And through the prophet Jeremiah, I mean, through the history of, of Israel, God has made promises to Israel. And are those promises still true? And if they're not still true, how can we be assured that the promises that he makes in the New Testament about us as Gentiles, are they true? And so through the prophet Jeremiah, God assured that the sinful nation of Israel, because they were, they were taken over, they were, they were slaves in a sense, they were, and, and the sinful, because of their sin, is their promises going to fail? And in, in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 36 and 37, he says this. He says, I am as likely to reject my people Israel as I am to abolish the laws of nature 
And this is what the Lord says. Just as the heavens cannot be measured and the foundations of the earth cannot be explored, so I will not consider casting them away for the evil they have done. I, have, I the Lord, have spoken. In other words, if God rejects His people, Israel, then His promises can fail. And if His promises can fail to Israel, then how can we know the promises in Romans chapter 8 that He will never leave us? Uh, his promises that He'll always turn our trials, the bad things, into good. Uh, you know, the question is about can his promises fail? And Paul basically says no, because his promises aren't over for the Israeli people, for the Jewish people. His promises are still there. So, so his promises, Paul's dealing with that here in chapter 11. The second thing that he deals with here in chapter 11 is he shows us how to view the Jewish people. So important. Even though you're looking at how does it reflect with my life right now, if it's in the Bible, it is important to God. And if it's important to God, it must be important to me. And so when I read over this, it shows me how I should view the Jewish people. Because some Christians are so pro-Israel, they they wrongly shrug shrug off what, what Israel is doing right now to the Palestinian Christians and the persecution. But some people, some Christians are so away from, they're all really anti-Semitic. And we're even like in Germany in World War II that even professing Christians were going along with the Holocaust. So my understanding of Romans chapter 11 is that the future, the Jewish people will turn to Christ in unprecedented numbers. And God is not finished with the Jews and we have to pray for them. That shows me chapter 11, just as Paul, 9, 10, 11, as Paul was, was sorrowful that we should be sorrowful for them too. And we should pray for the nation of Israel. We should pray for the people of Israel that they would come to know Jesus. That God will, is going to complete His promises and pro, trust me, He will. And on the practical value of Romans 11, it helps us, when we look at Scripture, it helps us look beyond our own needs our own purposes, and look at God's great purposes for history. You've got to understand sometimes when we go to the Bible, we always just want to find out what we need. But there's something greater in going to the world. Paul ends up with an outburst of this chapter with praise and worship as he's caught up with the truth that he writes about here in chapter 11. And sometimes we get so self-focused that we forget that our eyes should be on God and His glory. See, let me tell you something. His plan, God's plan, includes us, but it's not ultimately about us. You understand that? That God's plan includes us, but it's not ultimately about you. And a lot of times we go to the Word and we read all about, we're trying to find about us, but it's not always about you. And see, the thing about it is, we go to the Bible in pride. And thinking, God is, is all about me, it's all about me, it's all about me. But no, it's not all about it. It will include you if you submit to the Word of God. But it's not all about us. You know what it's about? It's about Him. It's about God and His glory. Our lives take on eternal significance, eternal significance as we, as we look at the Bible um, about God's glory, not about me and about the eternal purposes of God. And that's one of the things I, I read when, I, when I'm reading chapter 11. I'm thinking, God, what, and I, I, I'm the same way. I look at it. What's in it for me? What's in it for me? And I have to realize 
it's not about me all the time. And when I look at that, then I really start to actually gain something about it, that God has a purpose for me to pray for Israel. God has a purpose for me when I read his Bible, not to be so prideful about it. It's all about me and to really release those things. And I have to have a right view of the Jewish people and believe God for them because God is not done with the Jewish people. And his promises are true to them and they will be accomplished. And I'm thankful for that. Because if he made a promise to the Jewish people thousands of years ago, then, then the promises he made to me is going to come to pass too. Amen? So here, here are some points I want you to get real quickly on chapter 11. I, I don't have time to go into a lot of detail on chapter 11, but I want you to get, take home some things here. Number one, if you seek to obtain right standing with God on the basis of your works, you will be hardened. This is some of the things that we see was happening with the Israelis at this time, the Jewish people and their rejection of Christ because they had an issue because of the Old Testament. And Romans chapter 11, verses 8 through 10 is taken from the Old Testament. And it says, and it says here, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that could not see and ears that could not hear to this very day. And David says, may their table become a snare and a trap a stumbling block and a retribution for them. And may their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and their backs be bent over. And so here Paul is really talking about Israel and how, how you know, their, their eyes are darkened because of the rejection of what was happening here. Because Israel sought righteousness before God on the basis of their works, not on the basis of faith. And a lot of times I think we do that, don't we? We, we think if I read the Bible all, all the time and I'm, 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 God's going to be pleased with me. And, and listen, I'm all for reading the Word and I'm all for worship. But you've got to rest in the, and, and have faith in the grace of God or you're not going to do it. You're going to do it in your own works. See, see Romans eleven seven, 7, and Paul says, What then? What is Israel seeking and it has not obtained? What Israel was seeking and they did not attain was right standing with God or righteousness. Why? Because they were doing it by works. They weren't willing to trust in what Jesus had done at the cross. Romans 9, 30, uh, 32 says, What shall we say then that the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness attained righteousness, even the righteousness which by faith, but Israel pursuing the law of righteousness did not arrive at that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it with faith. See, the thing about it is we can learn a lot about what people do wrong, right? How many of you guys ever watched someone do it, do it wrong and you decided, well, I'm not going to do it that way? How many of you guys ever saw that? Well, that's it's the same thing in the Bible. Look how Israel was doing it wrong here in chapter 11. And don't do it that way. It is all about faith, trust, and what Jesus did at the cross. You know that song we sing, the, the chains have been broken. I mean, you got to realize sin has no control over you any longer. It only does when you try to focus on it and try to get out of it in your own strength. The only way you're going to get out of those things, the only way you're going to enter in to the greatness and the goodness of God is by faith and trusting that Jesus, what he did on the cross, it was finished, it was complete, it was good enough for you and me. And if we walk in it, there's something great that can happen. But it's not by your works. It's not by your own. Your, your righteousness. And you know what your righteousness is? Is that I've done it myself. It's pride. And, and Paul really is, in chapter 11, dealing with pride. 
that you can't do it of yourself. You die. You lose control when you come to Jesus. You make him the Lord, the controller, the boss of your life. You lose control and you let him lead you, right? So we don't act on our flesh. We act in the spirit of God. Look what Paul said this in Romans chapter 10, verse 2. He says, For I testify about them that they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. For not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Listen, let me tell you something. Definitely at that time, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they were hypocrites. But the majority of Jews in Paul's time were sincere in their dedication to God and what he's called them to do. They were sincere. They didn't lack commitment. They followed the prescribed rituals and, and the laws, and they were dedicated those, to those things. They were committed. In fact, I'm going to be honest with you, they, they would put a lot of us to shame of their commitment to God. They didn't lack commitment. They didn't lack fervors. Or they didn't lack zeal. They didn't lack these things. Look at Paul's zeal before he got saved. I mean, uh, he went after anybody he thought was a heretic. Listen, they didn't lack zeal at all. And the problem that Paul is explaining was their zeal was not according to knowledge, namely the knowledge that their own good works would never be good enough to atone for their sins or to be holy, to be righteous. They did not know Christ was the final and sufficient Lamb of God. So all their work was in vain. It did nothing. They didn't do it. You have to receive it by faith. You know, we need to be zealous. We need to increase our passion. I, I love what Kevin said about going on a mission trip. Don't do your vacation this year. Make that your vacation. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. It will change your family to go on a mission trip. Save up. Don't go on vacations for a couple years. Work our world's games and stuff, whatever you need to do to raise money. But do it because but we need that more zeal and that more passion for the things of God. But listen, even those passions alone aren't going to get you closer to God. Our salvation is not, being, it's not, a, it's not based on us being passionate. It's based on what Christ did. And then because of that love, and understanding that love, and, and, and flowing in the grace of God, guess what happens to us? Our zeal and passion increase. Not because we have to. Because we get to. Because we want to be a part of what Jesus wants us to be a part of. I want to do things because of what Jesus did. I want to be holy, not because it's going to get me to heaven. I want to be holy because Jesus is holy. And I want to be like him. You see the difference in this? Is that, that that's the relationship that God wants us to have. I, I, I want to be a, I want to be a, a good, good husband to my wife. Not just to please her, because God wants me to be that way. And I can't do it by trying to be good enough. It never works. I fail every single time. I'm good. Now, 
And, and you, every one of us are probably like this. We're good for a time, aren't we? And then all of a sudden, boom, it, it changes. Why? Why? Because I'm doing it in my own strength. I'm doing it in my own knowledge. I've got to do it out of the knowledge of God that Christ is everything and He is leading me. This is like what we talked about a few weeks ago in Reset. That it's not about, about oh, you ordering your life. It's about God ordering your life. Seek first the kingdom of God and then all these things will be added unto you. Right? And when I do that with my heart, that things start to change in my life. And this is what the Israelites needed to do. This is what the Jewish people needed to do here. And that leads me to the second truth that we see in chapter 11, that if you seek righteousness based on your works, then you don't need a Savior, and Christ died in vain. See, I'm going to tell you something. You need to get the works out of you. That idea of works that makes you think that you're going to be better because it's not working. You need to receive that I am holy and I am just by faith in all that Jesus did. I'm not against works, trust me. I'm against how we focus on it and how we make that a part of our lives of thinking that that's going to make me a better Christian. Because I'm going to tell you something. Serving here and doing everything doesn't make you a better Christian. It doesn't get you points with God. God loves you. Amen? He is pleased with you. Not because of what you did, because He looks at you through His Son. And what did He say about His Son? This is my Son, who I am what? Well pleased. And when He looks at you, it goes right through Jesus. It goes right through Jesus. And He is pleased with you. You've got to get that inside of you. Because if you don't have that part, then you're going to be in a works mentality and you're, going to, you're, you're, never going to, you're never going to realize what God has for you. You're never going to walk in the love of God that He has for you. You're not, not going to walk in the grace and enablement of God that God has for you because you're going to be doing everything of your own strength and your own ability. And you're going to always think that you haven't made it. Listen, you've got to be set free from this. You can't make it. Amen? You can't do it. He's did it all for you. But, 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 Sean, but, Sean, but I, I need to read the word. But, Sean, but, Sean, I need to serve. I need to do those things. Yeah, but you're not going to get it done by yourself. And it needs to flow out of what you, you, you are free from in the word of God. It's not because I have to. I get to. It's not because I, I, I see there's a need and I don't, need to, I don't want to be manipulated in that need. You serve because Jesus is leading you there to do it. And then you have the ability to do it. See, Jesus wants to set you free. He wants you to know that He loves you and He cares for you and He's provided it all for you. He wants you to know that there's something greater than that. See, if you seek it by works, then Christ died in vain. You need a Savior. Follow Him. Trust in Him. And He'll make the way. And see, the thing about it is, when you're free from the works mentality, there's so much freedom. And a lot of times, a lot of pastors don't like to preach this. And let me tell you why. 
because they're scared you won't do anything. Listen, let me tell you something. I had a, I had a message I used to teach in, in, when I was a youth pastor. And I used to talk about when you get presents at Christmas time that you need underwear. But it's not what you want at Christmas time, right? You need underwear. But what you want is that race car track. Or what you want is that, that video game system or whatever it is that you want it. That's what you want. There's so much more. I, I tell you what, I've never seen any of my kids play with their underwear at Christmas Right? See, Jesus doesn't come to you at need. He comes to you because of love. See, the more you receive what Jesus has for you, not because you need to, because he's opened the door, the veil's been torn in two, and God's love is being poured out upon you. You'll run to that every single time. And there's such freedom to that. And out of this, this is what happens. There's a a divine flow. It's not that I have to do things. You begin to love to do things. You begin to love to witness and be a light. Because there's a change inside of you. You love to give. You love to go. You love to do things. Not because you have to or you think God will like you more. You do it because it's a flow out of the heart of God and the Holy Spirit is directing you and empowering you to do those things. Amen? I love that. And if you get that revelation, I tell you what, life is so much better because you're in the life of God. God, Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. And sometimes in churches, it's not abundant life. Because it's all about commands. It's all about this stuff, this stuff, this. You got to do this, this, and this, and this. I'm telling you what. Sit and rest under the grace of God. Sit and rest under His power and His authority. Sit and rest under His love and watch God move in your life. You're going to be a better husband, a better wife, a better parent, a better worker, a better minister. Because you rest under that and you're allowing that to flow out of you. It's so much greater than anything you could ever do. And that's why the the Jewish people, they couldn't do that because they were so thousands of years based off works. I've got to do this. I've got to make this sacrifice. I've got to to do this. I can't work on this time. I've got to... No. Jesus says, what's the greatest commandment? Love God and love others. That brings me to my third point. It says, if you seek righteousness based on your works... You have not judged your pride, which is the root of sin. Listen, if you have a works mentality, it's a pride mentality. Because you think you can do it. You know, I was, uh, my dad had his own business and I got fired twice by my father. How many ever had that happen by your, by, yeah, thank you. You know, you know the pain. Anyway, um, and, the, and the reason was is my pride. And this is what it was. I would mess something up, and, and so I, I'm a locksmith by trade. And so I was working in, both times, working in my dad's shop. And, uh, and I, I, I didn't know everything, but I thought I knew everything. And so I was fixing a, a lock. A customer was waiting. I messed it up. 
And everything just flew everywhere. Anyway, it was just not to go into detail, but it messed up. And so here comes my dad. He sees this. He says, Sean, the customer's waiting. Let me take care of this, and you go to the next customer. I said, no, 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 no. I'm going to fix this. He says, Sean, um, you can't. You don't know how, and it's going to take you a while to figure it out. I need to get this to the customer. And me, being the, um, you know, the, the 15, 16-year-old kid I was at that time, knew it everything, by the way. I don't, I don't know if you guys knew that. I, at 15 years old, I, I didn't need to learn anymore. And, um, and so I told my dad, I said, no, I'm not going to do that. Get away. And now, I said that not as nice as I, I just did. I yelled it out. Now, customers can look and see what's going on. And my dad was just trying to help and wanted to get the customer through. And I, I basically pushed my dad away. And he looks at me, get out. And he fired me right then. It was right to do so. That was the right thing to do. See, the thing about it is, we do that to God all the time. We think that we know how to get out of our situations. And we push the power of God aside. And says, no, I can do it on my own. And you can't. I can't. The only way I can get out of things is to rest in God and what he's done in my life and that I know that I'm changed. I tell you all the time, don't focus on your sin because you'll continue to sin. You focus on Jesus and let him lead you out of it. You pray, you get, you get under his presence and you allow him to do it for you. That's the best thing that you can do is to trust in the grace of God. Because if you, if you seek righteousness based on your works, and that's what we do a lot of times, you have not judged your pride. I didn't judge my pride with my dad, and I got fired. My mom hired me a couple hours later. <laughs> but I got fired. Listen, the good works route is always wrong. Because it allows human pride to play a role in, this, in salvation. And that's the great danger of religion. People mistakenly think that by going to church or taking communion or giving money or serving or helping the poor or whatever, they gain entrance to heaven, and that's not true. It's only by the grace of God. You know, Martin Luther thought that by joining a monastery and treating his body harshly and confessing his sins and going to Mass every day, he could gain right standing with God, but nothing brought peace to his soul. Why not? Because pursuing salvation by works was negating the great grace of God. So you've got to come to God by grace in every part of your life. It starts with salvation, but it and it continues. It doesn't end there. It continues with every part of your life, of being a good father, being a good mother, being a good parent and, uh, or, or spouse or worker or in your ministry. It's all about the grace of God. And that's important. And my fourth point is this. If you seek righteousness based on your works, it will harden you against the truth and bring you to ultimate judgment. And that's what was happening here with the, the Jewish people. Because of your pride, 
you can't hear God. Israel was seeking righteousness by works. Not only did they not obtain it, but Paul adds in, in, in chapter 11, verse 7, the rest, the non-elect, were hardened. Hardened is a passive word. It, who hardened them, verse 8, really tells us, just as it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes to see not and ears to hear not, down to the very day. It's quoting Deuteronomy and Isaiah. See, it, re- it refers to God's judicial hardening of the Jews who had heard so much truth. They knew it, but they couldn't see Jesus in front of them. And see, the thing about it is, what will happen when you begin to harden your heart and not just release control because you've got this religion in you and this idea and this pride that I can do it myself, guess what? Just like my dad, I got fired. It's going to hurt you. See, it will make you spiritually dull and insensitive and unable to perceive and understand spiritual truth. When I first started ministry, I, um, this pastor that I was with, we had a, just, they just started the church. I was youth pastor, and he, would bring, he brought me in. And he said, Sean, the hardest, thing I can, I can, the hardest thing to tell people is that God is good. Because they couldn't hear it. God is good. But when you have this pride in you and you're all this works mentality, it is the hardest thing for somebody like that to go into the grace of God. Because they don't want to give up their ability. They don't want to give up their pride. They don't want to give up, oh, I have to fix it. Right? I had to give that up a long time ago if I was going to work with my dad. I can't be like that. I can't be a fixer. I can't fix anything. You've got to realize you cannot fix yourself. You cannot fix your situation. You know, when things used to go, go wrong in my life, guess what I tried to do? I tried to fix it. Guess what happened? It got worse. How many ever done that before? See, we've got, we got to completely rely on the Lord. But if, if you don't and you continue to do that, you're going to be dull spiritually and insensitive. And, under, and you're not going to be able to perceive and understand the spiritual truth. Second thing, your blessings will become a curse. That's what was happening to Israel. He says, let their table become a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a retribution to them. A table should be a place of nourishment, a blessing. But Paul says it's not going to be. He's quoting David from Psalm 69. Third, if you're headed in that direction, guess what's coming next? It's judgment in your life. See, the thing about it is we need to believe the gospel so that you are righteous before God through faith in Christ alone. And you've got to give up works in the sense of getting you better. And just say, God, I give it to you. I give everything to you. See, this is, this is, very, this is the most powerful thing you and I can get. Is that you and I are nothing unless Jesus is everything. See, chapter 11 shows us how wrong Israel was going. And we can learn from that, that we don't do the same thing. It is so easy to get that works mentality. Because from the beginning of time, since Genesis, since Adam and Eve, 
they thought they could obtain a level of godliness by themselves. That is the root sin that is still in us today. And we've got to fight against that. We've got to reject that in every single area. And when we do that, everything else comes into line. When you start to reject your own ability and your own ability to make things better, everything will start to come into line. To release control and the release of our pride of us being our own Lord and our own Savior. And to say, God, I commit to you. I, I release control of my situation. I release control of my life. I, I know I can't obtain anything without you. And I give it to you. If you've never given your life to Christ, you give it to Him. Give your life to Christ by the grace of God. He died for us so we might be saved. You can't be good enough. He was good enough for you. You've got to trust that. If you're already giving your life to Christ, you might, been, you might have been here, you've been saved for 50 years. But you have this works mentality. Trust me, it is, it is sin to have a works mentality. It puts you in bondage. And you're never getting anywhere. Release control of that and say, God, I trust you in my life. I trust the grace of God. That's what Paul wrote in Romans, you know. So we could be free to be who God's called us to be, to do what God's called us to do, not out of, I, I have to, but out of the love and the, and, the, and the purpose of God. Let me tell you something. If you lack zeal and passion for God, it's because you become your own God. And you think you can do it yourself. And you're finding out, I can't. See, all Israel needed to do was bow their knee to the King of kings and Lord of lords to receive it, to kick out everything else and say, God, I lose control. I give everything to you.